Hello, sugars. How are you? It's me, Maddie. Welcome to the new year. Welcome to 2017. Sugars. Now, I I started off this year with a lie, and I apologize because the last, well, I guess I said this last week, so, but I said that we were going to be back to advice and dick jokes last week because I told last week a story about, geez, Lord, how many times can I say last week? But last week, I told a story about George Michael and Carrie Fisher and, oh, and then Debbie Reynolds. I mean, what a sad, 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 heartbreaking week. Um, And I told you that I'd be, this week I would be back with advice and dick jokes. Well, sugars, I lied. Mainly because ugh, I got sick over Christmas and I just didn't want to edit something. And honestly, sometimes beautiful things come out of laziness. Because I thought, was like, shit, I want to do something. I want to start off the new year with a new show and be going and I'm going gangbusters. But Lord, I'm, my mind just can't think and I can't stop coughing. What am I going to do? And then I remembered I had posted on YouTube about uh, in June or July that I posted or I'd uploaded rather a video of when I spoke at a summer camp this summer. It Not my camp, not Brave Trails, not the one that I did, but um, this is actually, I spoke at the Oklahoma Summer Arts Institute at Quartz Mountain. And or the camp, the camp is often just called Quartz Mountain. It's a camp just in Oklahoma, and it's solely for kids in Oklahoma uh, that are interested in the arts. It does fine arts, um, ballet, modern dance, tap. Or well, they don't do tap, but they do choir, acting. They do. Um, I think they do photography. They do creative writing, poetry. Um, orchestra, all this kind of stuff. I And I went to that camp for five years. Honestly, it's one of the reasons why I'm talking to you now. That camp saved my life. It was just such an important part of my life. And this speech is, you will be hearing kind of why it was such an important part of me, my life. Uh, I was asked this summer to come back and speak as an alumni, because it was the 40th anniversary of Quartz Mountain, and I was asked to come back and speak. And it was, honestly, this is... I. If I ever win an Oscar, an Emmy, what I don't think I'll win an Oscar because I'm not that good of an actor. But if I win an Emmy, I can make a pretty damn good talk show. But I honestly think that this was probably the most meaningful thing that I've ever received and or will receive. Because it, this camp was so meaningful to me and, again, life-changing. So, and I'm, in this speech, I'm not only talking about the camp, but I'm also talking about ways to live your life ways to listen to different voices in your life that are maybe you maybe giving you helpful advice and maybe some voices that are giving you unhelpful advice and i thought as we start off this year maybe that's a really appropriate thing to to listen to so and i don't have to edit it i can just throw it together so it was a win-win for everyone sugar and it just kind of went it's, again, it's a different approach. It goes along with, you know, this year. I'm not making a New Year's resolution, but I am trying to think of three words, two or three words, actually, that kind of guide my intention for the year. And I think the first one for me is bold. And that came from my friend Don McCoy. Dear Maddie, episode, I think, five and episode, like, 30. Don McCoy, Don and Dish with Don. Enjoy their, her podcast. But um, I was kind of thinking of a word about not confidence, but a word for me to kind of be more daring and really kind of take some chances. And she said, I'm just trying to be bold more. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be bold. So bold is one of my words that I kind of want to guide 2017. And so far, also habits. I want to develop really good habits. And it's in everything, like in financial habits, in 
eating habits and working out habits and simple habits like I kind of want to start getting up at the same time every day and seeing how that affects me. How does that habit affect me? I don't know. Maybe it's I should probably read that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've, I've hell, I bought the book for people, but I've never read it myself. So anyway, so that's kind of so bold and habits. And I'm thinking of one more word. Who knows? Who knows? It might be penis. I could always use more of that. But that kind of involves my boyfriend. We'll see about that one. So, but I am being bold and putting up the speech. I don't know if you'll like it. It's a little different Dear Maddie show. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. Next week, we will be back. Um, I'll be speaking with the language of bromance. They're two guys. They're hilarious. It's a really funny, funny show. Um, and a heartfelt show as well. But that will be back next week. But for this week, um, I'm gonna. it's going to start with an introduction from someone else. And she'll kind of introduce me just to kind of let you give you an acclimated. I'm speaking in front of a camp of about 240 kids, including my mother, my brother, my nephews. I was nervous, sugars. But yes. So I hope you enjoy the speech and I'll see you at the end of the show. Matt Marr hails from the giant metropolis of Lone Grove, Oklahoma, and was a member of our choir for five years. Matt now lives in Los Angeles and is a successful host, stand-up comic, and commercial actor. In fact, you might have seen him in his undies on the Hotel.com's commercial. And as I think you will see, he has an abiding love of Quartz Mountain. We are so thrilled to welcome him back. Please welcome Matt Moore. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow, there's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Sing it with me. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. Good job. Well, I finally got my two sports-loving nephews to sing musical theater. I'm, I made it. Um, I'd sing that song because that is when it happened for me. That is when I was bit by the bug. As cliche as it sounds, as being the little boy from Oklahoma, Oklahoma is still my favorite musical to this day. Um, but we'll get there. So my name is Matt uh, Marr. I'm from uh, a little town called Lone Grove. I'm an actor, I'm a host, uh, and I've lived in Los Angeles for about 13 years. Um, and when I was coming to talk to you today, um, I thought, what do I talk about? What do I do? Do I do a scene? Do I sing? And I thought, because I'm also a therapist, and something that's always kind of guided me in my life are stories. I love stories and the impact that they can make in our lives. Creative, fiction, nonfiction. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to share with you my st story, and hopefully you don't get bored. Sorry. Um, so Lone Grove is a town about five miles right outside of Ardmore with pretty much nothing to do. Um, and for all things that made me a different kid, there were a lot of things that made me very similar to a lot of the kids there. I, I luckily, I had a mom and a dad and a big brother who uh, I fought with a lot. But I still, growing up as a kid, I felt 
a lot of love from my parents. And I was very lucky that I had parents who always told me they loved me and that I could grow up and be whatever I wanted to be and that I could change the world. And I believed them. Thank God I believed them. Um, yeah. So, but looking back, I realized that my home for me, it was kind of like this love bubble, you know, where I just felt like I could sing and I could dance and I could play Wonder Woman and my parents just thought it was cute and it was great. So, but anyway, back to when I was bit by the bug. So I do, I remember watching the camera pan out on those cornfields and Curly walking in and singing, oh, what a beautiful morning. And that was when I was hooked. And why I remember being hooked is that I heard, which I'm sure y'all can relate to this, I heard this voice kind of that came from my heart that said, you have to do this. You know, you're like, what? What is, you know, it just kind of, and so for me, I call that the muse. And so when you hear that word, painters, photographers, fashion designers often talk about my muse as usually a, a person that inspires their work. But for me, the muse, it's an inner, vo inner voice that nudges me to be curious, to take chances, chances, to be artistic, and it makes me feel excited and alive. And if I listen to my muse, I really do believe I can change the world. However, as uh, I got a little older and I went to elementary school, uh, things started to change. I felt a little different. Uh, my classmates were not like my parents. They didn't think it was cute that I loved to sing and dance. Uh, <laughs> It also didn't help matters the fact that I was gay. And I mean, like, I was really gay. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was obsessed with Wonder Woman. I liked He-Man a little too much. Um, and I totally had a whole choreographed routine to Madonna's Hanky Panky. So, it was rough. And, but suddenly, I was listening more and more to my peers around me and that love bubble, it kind of popped. And from that, I heard this voice in my head that I call the critic. And it was a negative voice. And the critic would tell me things like I wasn't boy enough, that I wasn't athletic enough, that I wasn't attracted to girls enough. And sadly, I was listening to this more and more and more. Thankfully, in middle school, I did find singing and I found choir. And I was, it gave me a newfound confidence. My, my muse was like, praise Jesus, we're good at something. <laughs> but at the same time, my critic told me, wow, you want to sing classical music? No other boys in Oklahoma want to sing classical music. You're a freak and you're weird. So it's like my, few, my critic and my muse, they were arch enemies, um, like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. It's like hashtag bad blood. You know what I'm talking about? Um, but I did, I had this inner turmoil that between, kind of like what you're talking about, it was a turmoil between what I wanted to do and what I should be doing. And I was so obsessed with what I was, should be doing, I was, as we say as therapists, I was shooting on myself. So I didn't cuss, I didn't cuss. So I remember being in eighth grade and I began to notice that other classmates who I've known all my life, I went to the same school in Loon Grove, but I began to notice that they were acting different too. And they were thinking more negatively about things. And I was like, holy crap, they have a critic too. We're all dealing with this critic thing. I even realized my brother, who's here tonight, is like a football dude-loving guy who decided in high school he wanted to be in drama for fun and got ridiculed for it by all of his teammates that had been his best friend for years. I remember my cousin, who loved to play softball, but all of her girlfriends would tell her that she's never going to date a guy or get married because she was, like, athletic and rough and tough and liked to get dirty. And I just was... It was overwhelming. I was like, this critic thing is, it's too much. And 
But then luckily, in the summer of 1993, I got into Quartz Mountain. So, well, I say got in, but actually, I was an alternate. So, <laughs> so any of you that are alternates, you were just as worthy as anybody else to be here. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember, I got the call two days before camp started. So I remember my mama screaming on the phone and I ran and I'm like, what? She's like, you just got into Quartz Mountain. And then she went, oh my God, Matthew, you don't have enough underwear for two weeks. <laughs> and so we ran to Walmart, got some underwear. And thankfully, two days later, we showed up at Quartz Mountain and I was terrified. Oh man, this was like Christmas morning to my critic. You know, it was like telling you're an alternate, you're gonna be weird, you're not as good as everybody else. Um, my critic likes jazz hands, I guess, I don't know why. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? But it really was gonna get to me, and thankfully, I'll remember I walked into the pavilion, and I remember Ann Dawson was there, who was our liaison at the time, who was such a wonderful influence in my life. And also, there was a group of six kids in the corner. And I, I don't remember exactly, I was really trying to think of this, but I think they were singing like All That She Wants by Ace of Bass. You know, all that she wants is another babe. You don't know it because you're young. But, <laughs> but anyway, and they were like harmonizing and totally nerding out and like singing all the time like choir kids do here. They get on your nerves, but when you're a choir kid, it's like all you want to do. And it made me so happy that they were nerding out the way I like to nerd out. And I suddenly had that feeling of that love bubble returning, and it felt like I was home. And during my first year at camp, I mean, I can tell you all the, like, the magic of Quartz Mountain and what it is, but literally, I mean, my muse threw down. She beat up my critic for like two weeks, and it was great. And it was also, incredible that I got to see for the first time professional artists because y'all don't understand I, I didn't have an email address when I came here like that didn't happen until college so I couldn't like look up Neil Patrick Harris on snapchat and see what he was eating for brunch like I didn't know any of this so but to see a professional artist living a life where they're creating and then getting paid to do that it was I could do that it was shocking and then on a personal note I mean, I loved that I was so awesomely and wonderfully and joyously gay, but it also made me feel so alone because people told me it was wrong. So seeing other campers and other artists who were out of the closet and who were proud and who were themselves and they were happy, it was, it completely changed my world. And remember again, because there was no internet, so there was no Tyler, Tyler Oakley, there wasn't even Will and Grace. So it was finally being able to see myself as normal. I don't really like that word, but I did. I find myself as normal because it's, it's validating and it's much easier to be one of the guys when one of the guys is like you. I was lucky enough to spend five summers here at this camp and I'm proof that art changes your life. Um, it even created like a muse domino effect where I went on to get a bachelor's in music and opera. It, it prompted my confidence to move to Los Angeles to pursue acting and Here's the thing about your muse, is that once it starts to grow, it bleeds into other parts of your life, and it makes scary things less scary. Uh, my muse make, gave me the confidence to do stand-up comedy, to host television shows, to start a podcast, to get my master's in clinical psychology, to sing in a commercial and hang out with Justin Timberlake, it, and even come out of the closet from that moment. 
P.S. Justin Timberlake is so nice. He has the bluest eyes in the world. They're so beautiful. <laughs> anyway. But still, my muse in Quartz Mountain even inspired me to start a summer camp. I became a camp director, which is something I knew I wanted to do after I left Quartz Mountain. It's called Camp Brave Trails, and Brave Trails is the nation's first leadership camp for lesbian, gay, bisexual, tr transgender, and queer questioning youth ages 12 to 20. And it is, oh yeah, sure. There's a lot of jazz hands there, a lot of jazz hands. It, and it's so rewarding as a camp director that now I see these campers that I'm creating the love bubble for them. And I'm giving them a place that feels like home and telling them that they're not wrong, they're not sinful, and that they're perfectly fantastic the way they are. And I have to take a moment to say a deep thank you to Mary Frades and to Mary Gordon Taft because I know earlier you talked about the program, Changing Lives, but I know what it's like to have an idea and to have that seed of artistic inspiration, which we all know. And then the hard work it takes to keep going through it and to keep delivering on that and fight for what you know will affect people. I know what that's like to do that. And you, honestly, I feel like you helped create Camp Brave Trails as well. You're such a part of that. So I thank you so much. You've left a legacy. Um, yes, please. Also, Anytime I was stressed out, I would be like, what would the Marys do? Because camp directing is hard. I'm just saying, like, be nice to them, okay? Um, but, and to you campers, I, I want you to know that this experience that you have at camp, it's not normal. I wish it was. It's not. It's, this is a beautiful, this place is like a hug. And, and you have no, and some of you have no desire to pursue a career in the arts. You're here because you like to paint, or you like to sing, or you like to dance. It, that's okay, I get it. You like to eat on a regular basis, that's fine. It's fine, <laughs> would be nice. But no, seriously, it's a, uh, you do have a muse too. We all have a muse, no matter what you do. And right now, in your space, I invite you to let your muse take over your life and put aside your critic as much as you can because I'm living proof that when your muse guides your life, you have no idea where your life will take you. But if you let your critic guide your life, you pretty much have a good idea of where you're gonna end up. Yeah, it's not fun, it's not fun. And it's ironic too, because the things that made me weird and made me different growing up, being an artist, being effeminate, being obsessed with Oprah Winfrey and Carol Burnett, um, these were the things that saved me. And I hope one day you all realize that your weaknesses can turn into your greatest strengths if you allow them. But you have to make that choice to allow them. And I mean, don't get me wrong, my critic is not gone away from my life. Um, spoiler alert, they, it never goes away. Uh, the critic and the muse, they're kind of like an old married couple. Um, they just, they kind of feud forever. Uh, and my critic, it always, it's always telling me that I'm not funny enough, that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not buff enough. I mean, I live in Los Angeles. The dogs have abdomen abs there, it's crazy, I can't. But uh, I just want a donut. But moreover, <laughs> too. But moreover, at some point in my day, and this happens every day, my critic tries to tell me basically in some way that I'm not enough. But thankfully, because of Quartz Mountain and because of the love bubble that my parents created for me, my muse always keeps fighting back. So if you remember anything from this, I challenge you to find your muse and find your critic. When that voice inside you tells you you look fat, or that you're not talented, or that your life isn't impor important? Is that your voice? Or is that your critic's negativity voice? 
And when you're in that moment, and you feel like you're questioning yourself and you're being bombarded, please take a breath and ask yourself, what would my muse say to me right now? What would my muse want me to do in this moment? And I promise you, if you do that, you will find a way out of the chaos. Perfect is a, it's a loaded word. And because in art and life, we often get caught up in making things perfect. The perfect sound, the perfect technique, the perfect game, the perfect perspective, the perfect grades. Perfect is simply a lie that your critic wants you to strive for. And the real stuff of life, the beauty of life, the artistic stuff of life is not in the perfecting, it's in the trying. So just try and keep trying. All right, I'm almost done. But I know, I'll go forever. But I do have one admission to make is that I never actually wanted to attend Quartz Mountain in chorus. It was just something that I did well, and so I thought I would audition that way. But I know, I came here for five summers in choir, so you're like, what the heck, Matt? But <laughs> a little confusing. But I actually always wanted to come here in acting. I always did. But my critic told me that I could never get in. It told me I would never do it, and that I'd never be able to come back to this place that I love so much. I mean, it worked out. I'm an actor now, and I get paid for it, so it's fine. But, you know, I, but I do. I wish I could go back to that 13-year-old self and just ask him to try. So instead, I think I would kick myself that if I didn't do some acting right here on the stage, just to say that I have acted out something at the Oklahoma Summer Arts Institute. Um, and of course, I'm going to do a little Shakespeare quote, because that's easy, right? That's the easiest one, right? It's you just do it. It's a really short quote, and like, seriously, don't judge me, all of the acting students are, you could do this way better than me, I'm sure, I'm positive. But that's my critic, and I've got to try. So I can say that today I tried again, and that today I beat the critic again. So I have to do it. So Shakespeare wrote, our doubts are traitors, and make us lose the good we might oft win by fearing to attempt. See? That wasn't that scary, and oh, what a beautiful day indeed. Thank you. So, Sugars, that's it. I, I hope you got something out of this. I hope that you're inspired and motivated and thinking about what are the characteristics or what are the the ways your muse speaks to you and what are the ways your critic talks to you again these things they're in our lives both of us they're you know my critic is there to protect me because it doesn't it doesn't want me to fail but it just goes goes about it the wrong way so i hope that you can listen to this and think about what is your muse saying to you for 2017 what are what are some things that you have maybe not been listening to that hopefully maybe now um are just a little bit more louder even if you don't do it if you can still hear them a little bit more that's a win sugars we'll take the little wins where we can get it i'm really hopeful and excited for this year i know some people thought 2016 was a bad year. Some people thought it was a great year. Some people thought it was just okay. You know, I think I think a year is what we make of it, bad or good. And we can we have a choice to see the beauty in it or see the despair. And I'd rather I I don't know maybe it's naive, but a part of me would rather be blissfully hopeful hopeful than realistically pes, just pessimistic. So I don't know. That's kind of the way I look at it. So. 
I love you all. I appreciate you so much for listening to the show, for commenting. As always, go to DearMaddieShow.com. Leave your questions. We're we're getting low on questions, so that's always helpful. You can go to the YouTube channel. Um, Jake, Anthony, and I will be starting. This will be announced more exactly what it is because we haven't figured that shit out yet, sugars. But we'll be starting a new YouTube channel um, starting at the end of this month. And possibly, we're seeing, debating, maybe even an additional podcast. Also, last week I read a story Let me uh, from a Gay in the Life column that I did. Let me know what you thought about that. Go to the Facebook page at The Matt Mar, Twitter, The Matt Mar, Instagram. I, literally, please. I, I don't know whether this resonates unless you give me the feedback. Uh, you know, if it sucks and you're bored, please tell me. I would appreciate that, too. All right. I love you all. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2017. I totally... I 1 million percent with all my heart and my soul hope that you are able to make the most of it. Love you guys.